0: Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty.
1: I want to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. This is Alan Jetty, Editor-in-Chief of PTJ, and I'm delighted to have with me today Dr. Linda Kohler, Assistant Professor in the Divisions of Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation Science in the Department of Rehab Medicine at the University of Minnesota Medical School. Linda, welcome.
0: Thank you. It's a pleasure.
1: Today we're going to talk about a study she recently published entitled Function, Shoulder Motion, Pain, and Lymphedema in Breast Cancer with and Without Axillary Web Syndrome, an 18-month follow-up. Linda, what I thought I'd do is give listeners a brief overview of your study, and then we can talk about some aspects of it, okay?
0: Sure, sounds great.
1: Axillary web syndrome can develop following breast cancer surgery, and it presents as a tight band of tissue in the axilla, the shoulder abduction. The objectives of this cohort study were to determine the prevalence as well as the natural history of axillary web syndrome and the association between axillary web syndrome and function, range of motion, pain, lymphedema, and whether body mass index was a risk factor for the condition. The period prevalence reported by the authors was 33%, 42%, 47%, and 50% at 2, 4, 12 weeks and 18 months following breast cancer surgery. The authors reported that lower body mass index was a risk factor for developing axillary web syndrome. And women with this syndrome had reduced range of motion and function and a higher number of lymph nodes removed compared to the non-axillary web syndrome group. So Linda, I enjoyed your paper very much. And let's start by talking about, in your introduction, you note that the etiology and the pathophysiology of this syndrome remains unknown, which really surprised me. But you made mention of some evidence suggesting that axillary web syndrome results from a local injury to the lymphatic system. Can you say more about the kind of injury being suggested as the etiology of this syndrome?
0: What we do know about axillary syndrome is it, is, appears to be associated with some sort of lymphatic injury, most commonly seen after breast cancer surgery or melanoma surgery with axillary lymph node removal, either sentinel node biopsy or a full axillary lymph node dissection. So we know there's this association between lymphatic injury and the occurrence of axillary web syndrome. What's exactly going on in the lymphatic system from that injury, we're still uncertain. It is interesting that it's not universal,
1: though. Why is that?
0: What do you mean it's not universal? Meaning that...
1: Not all women who have this surgery end up with it.
0: Right. So what we do know is that people with lower BMI are the ones that have a tendency to get it and that's the one risk factor that seems to stand out in a lot of the literature that is out there right now and what I've seen clinically and that is the million-dollar question that keeps me up at night is the association between those who get it um, tend to have a lower BMI, which is kind of counterintuitive to what we usually think about. People who are have lower BMI we think tend to be healthier. So that is the question that, like I said, keeps me up at night and drove me to come back to school to get my PhD, actually, because of this uh, interesting association between development of Axler-Webb syndrome in people who have lower BMI compared to people with a higher BMI who are at less risk of developing it.
1: It was interesting. I was also struck that you found there was not an association between the syndrome and lymphedema. And that's different from some of the previous uh, work. Can you talk about that finding a bit?
0: So, I have a couple of thoughts on that. So, some of the reasoning behind it is that the study that we did had only 36 subjects or 36 women that participated. So, it wasn't a high number of participants, whereas Jean O'Toole, who was the study that did demonstrate an association between lymphedema and Axel web syndrome, had a higher number of subjects in the study. Our study might not have been powered high enough to provide that result, but another reason is the other study that did find the association provided treatment for Axler-Webb syndrome in their study, and our study was an observational looking at the natural history of Axler-Webb syndrome, so we did not provide treatment for Axley webb syndrome in particular. So those were two differences. There could have been a treatment effect which may have changed the results with lymphedema development and I can explain more of why that could be later. But the other reason which might be more important in our study is though it was an observational study, we did not provide treatment. I did provide lymphedema education at the three-month visit because at that time I didn't no, I was going to be extending it longer to bring people back for an 18-month follow-up. I did provide lymphedema education at three months, so there was likely a treatment effect because this likely influenced women who may have had symptoms of lymphedema to get treatment, receive some sort of treatment. And that did come out in the study that the 36% of people who did receive treatment, 92% of them received lymphedema treatment. So there was likely a treatment effect in the study that I didn't anticipate. But again, I was not expecting to be bringing everybody back at the time. I was not planning to bring everybody back at the 18-month mark. So there was likely a lymphedema treatment effect.
1: Linda, you noted in the report that a new case of axillary web syndrome was discovered at 18 months that was not present at previous visits. I thought that was quite interesting. You also noted that the syndrome returned in six women at 18 months, even though they had no identifiable signs of axillary web syndrome at 12 weeks. Why do you think both of these have occurred in some of the women?
0: Well, I think because it does appear to be some sort of lymphatic injury that it's possible that the reoccurrence could be because there's a new disturbance to the lymphatic system reducing its function, therefore initiating another injury to the lymphatic vessels and that could be the reasoning why there's reoccurrences occurring and why sometimes women aren't developing it till later. Majority of the time they develop it in the early stages after breast cancer. It tends to be about two to four weeks after surgery. So it could be just because there's a new injury or some sort of disturbance in lymphatic function in an already reduced functioning lymphatic system.
1: It's interesting. It has interesting clinical implications. Okay. Speaking of that, in the discussion of your paper, you suggest that physical therapist intervention could shorten the course of axillary web syndrome. What's the typical treatment done by a therapist and the rationale behind it?
0: So the typical treatment is oftentimes manual therapy, could be myofascial relief, soft tissue mobilization, manipulation of the cord that develops scar massage, stretching, range of motion exercises, strengthening, nerve gliding. So there's a lot of various just treatments out there. Joint mobilization, if it's changing the mechanics of the shoulder, lymphedema techniques, manual lymph drainage. I've used compression bandaging for a short term because it does seem to be some related to some sort of lymphatic issue. So some of the lymphedema techniques can also be addressed when treating this. Is
1: there think- a lot of evidence behind these interventions?
0: There's only one randomized control trial out there, and that is using manual lymph drainage to treat it to determine what the outcome would be. And what it did demonstrate is that there was not a big change in the occurrence. They were trying to see if they could reduce the occurrence of Axelweb syndrome. And there wasn't really a change in the occurrence of getting Axelweb syndrome, but those who did get MLD, manual lymph drainage had less pain and less lymphedema development in that time period otherwise the only the only studies out there really are case studies demonstrating that these techniques have been effective in improving range of motion and reducing maybe the long-term sequelae of cord development
1: it's interesting a real area of important uh, absolutely work yeah that needs to much be done. much
0: more research needed <laughs>
1: You know, you also noted in your sample that the syndrome, it both persisted and reoccurred beyond 12 weeks, which kind of flies in the face of current understanding that it was self-limiting. Why do you think this is occurring?
0: So I'm going to go into a little bit of my theory on what I think could be happening in the lymphatic system. When it comes on, it comes on about two to four weeks after surgery. So it has this delayed onset. It doesn't come on, you know, within the first couple of weeks. It's very rare. It comes on that early. So it has this delayed onset. And what we know from injury to the lymphatic system is in, in any normal healing process is the body goes through three stages of healing. The initial stage is the inflammatory phase, which is, you know, from injury to from the surgery to a couple of days afterwards. It overlaps with the proliferative phase which comes on, like I said, overlaps with the inflammatory phase and is around the two to four week time period and then followed by the maturation phase. Well, the onset of actually webb syndrome coincides with the proliferative phase of healing, which is when our body is basically trying to regenerate and trying to respond to the injury, forming new lymph vessels, trying to recanalize so these lymph vessels can reconnect to other lymph vessels that are still working. So my theory is that actually webb syndrome could be a result of this, that it's the body's natural response to healing, and the lymph vessels are trying to recanalize but are not successful and adhere to some of the underlying tissue. Therefore, that lymph vessel gets tethered, to this tissue, therefore forming the cord. So to answer your questions why they persist and why they might reoccur is that those persistent cords might be because those lymph vessels are not able to reconnect, so they're unsuccessful in connecting back to improving the normal lymphatic flow. The recurrence might be because the lymph vessels that have tried to reconnect might be inefficient, therefore, later down the road when there's another disturbance to the lymphatic vessels due to like an infection, maybe another injury, maybe another surgery, some sort of trauma to the lymph vessels, the same cascade of events can start happening because the lymph vessels get overwhelmed, therefore, initiating this cascade of events. And the reason why I bring this up is it's the only thing that makes sense to me when comes to why it's occurring in people with lower BMI. So we know that it has this association and if this is potentially maybe the body's natural healing process that occurs in people with lower BMI because the lymph vessels are trying to recanalize, they're trying to, you know, lymphangiogenesis trying to form new vessels and why it's not happening in people with higher BMI, it could be that it's suppressing the body's natural healing process. Again, this is just a theory. There are other theories out there, especially re- related to the BMI question. Why is there an association between actually webb Syndrome and um, lower BMI? Some of the other theories regarding that is that women with higher BMI, we just might not be able to see the cords because the fatty tissue is covering it. Or it might just be that if there is some sort of scar formation or something occurring, it's not able to occur or stick to the fatty tissue. It's just different consistency in the tissue in people with higher BMIs. But again, these are all theories and we don't quite understand the whole process of this yet.
1: Well, it's really interesting and I see it as a tremendous opportunity for for future research in this area.
0: Definitely. You know,
1: it really struck me throughout the article, you talk about the wide range of impairments uh, for women with this syndrome, reduced range of motion, pain, lymphedema, decreased function following the cancer uh, treatment. But then you also showed, even though your sample was small, only 36% of the women received the rehabilitation, even one time during the first 18 months following surgery. I was surprised by such a low figure and why do you think this is happening?
0: Well, unfortunately, physical therapy is not standard care. It's not an integral part of cancer care yet at this time, and that's unfortunate. This was a surprising sub-result that, to me also, that there were so many people experiencing impairments and not getting treatment that could potentially prevent and, and help them um, with normal function because this was an observational study, natural history, it's just showing that we can improve. Definitely, there's room for improvement to better care for the women following breast cancer surgery and other cancers also. I think part of the reason for it is because, as like said, it's not an integral part of cancer care, like it is when someone has had a stroke. Um, a person yeah. who has had a stroke automatically gets physical therapy order or most of the time gets physical therapy ordered. Total hip Replacement, total knee replacement, there's standard protocols that we have is an integral part of the care, but it isn't when it comes to cancer care and breast cancer care. And I think part of it has to do with the complexity of the disease, that it affects many systems. There's many different issues. Actually, my number of impairments that I reported, I can guarantee is underreported because there were things that I didn't measure, like fatigue and strength and balance issues. There's a lot of other issues that can occur because of the cancer treatment. And because of this complexity, I think the patients are, or the women are just getting lost in the system. The focus is on the cure, trying to get proper care for them to live longer, which we have had a lot of success in advancements in the medical field. Women are living longer. There's a 90% survival rate five years after surgery. So the focus needs to shift to not just curing the cancer but also the survivorship and addressing some of these issues. Like I said, it affects many different areas. It could be a lymphedema problem, therefore, or a wound problem affecting integument issues, cardiovascular issues. Some of these women get chemotherapy, therefore, have chemotherapy-induced peripheral neuropathy, so neurological issues, orthopedic issues. There's so many different areas that it can affect. It's a wide spectrum, so it's hard to have a specific protocol for each person because of the varying degrees of intervention that's needed. but also we need to focus more on this in our training and education of our students and just therapists in general because most physical therapists aren't specializing in this type of care and don't know the complexities of what the treatments involve. So it's unfortunate, but hopefully we'll be able to change that in the future by having PT and rehabilitation as an integral part of cancer care. And I think logistically, we need to be with the right located with where the surgeons, the oncologists, the radiation doctors, the infusion units, rehab needs to be right in that center to um, provide better care for these patients.
1: Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And I just want to mention that PTJ is going to put together a special issue on uh, oncology rehabilitation to, uh, to help kind of push the field in the direction that you're talking about.
0: That is wonderful. I'm ecstatic to hear that. Thank you for your support.
1: <laughs> well, I want to thank you both for taking the time today to talk with me about your study and for publishing it at PTJ. I really enjoyed it, and I look forward to seeing more work uh, from you in the coming years.
0: Thank, thank, you. thank you. I really appreciate it.